0: Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode Thirty Five. Without further delay,
1: without further delay,
0: your guru, without your guru. Uh, sorry, your, guru. your guide to a better life through real estate investing.
1: Real estate investing.
0: Matt Theriault.
1: Matt Terrio,
0: hello and greetings from the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast that's going to show you how to build wealth through creative real estate investing. So you'll have the option to realistically retire in the next 10 years or less. I mean, five years or less if you're really focused so you can enjoy the good life while you're still young enough to do so. My name is Matt Terrio. I'm an author. I'm a full-time real estate investor, and I'm a family man. Coming up on a one-year anniversary, my son's first birthday is coming up here in July. Very exciting times around here, around the Terrio household. Now, if this is your first time listening to this show, welcome so glad that you found us. Um, But you're going to want to do two things. First, you got to go back and listen to episode one. You got to listen to the ground rules of the show. And two, I want you to download the free real estate investing course, how to do deals, no money required. And you can get that at freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. You see, there are 12 different ways of how I transact real estate using none of my own money, none of my own credit. And of those 12 ways in this program, I show you the first two, the two quickest and easiest and fastest ways to do that. It's a step-by-step course of where I just unveil the mystery around doing deals with no money or credit. And I show you how to do that in that course at free freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. Okay, so got a quick announcement before we get on with today's show. Um, a few episodes back, I had mentioned that I had launched a guaranteed cash flow program for income properties in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm happy to say that that program is doing very, very well, and I'm happy also to say that it has caught the attention of a private equity firm of who I just inked the deal with to provide private financing on these properties. I mean previously we were doing all cash transactions, and you know the purchase price is, is very low and very um the I guess the the to get into that market, you don't need a ton of cash, but you do need some cash. But now I've been able to cut the amount that you need and absolutely in half with this financing program. It's a very cool program. No banks are involved. I love it when no banks are involved because um, we don't have to go through all the stuff. You don't have to jump through all the hoops. All, essentially, everybody is approved. And, and if you love that too and you want some more information, you can go to cashflowsavvy.com. And there you can download an investor's package. It's one of our investors package, and that package will give you all the details, including a typical property profile. It's basically our minimum deal standards. Every property is going to perform to those standards or better. It's going to give you the details on all of our guarantees, the guaranteed cash flow, guaranteed rehab, and um, no property management fees for the first year also, all the while producing 16 to 20% cash on cash returns. Pretty awesome. So if you're ready to add another property to your cash flowing portfolio, or if you're ready to pick up your first, this might make sense for you or not. That's okay. I mean, you know your situation much better than I do, but the information is absolutely free. So what could it hurt to go check it out, right? So go to cashflowsavvy.com, cashflowsavvy, S-A-V-V-Y.com and download an investor's package and then make your decision. Okay. And actually I'm, I'm jumping on a plane to Memphis as soon as I'm done with this recording to meet a couple of investors to walk them through their new investment properties. I'm going to take a bunch of pictures and I'm going to post them at cashflowsavvy.com so you can see all the the before and after pictures, some very recent pictures, like as recent as this week, as of recording right now. Okay. All right, so on today's show, I'm joined by fellow podcaster, investor, and friend. And I've invited him onto the show because I never really know where our conversations are going to go. I mean, I... I ultimately learn something from our conversations every single time. I mean, whether it's a new insight or a new tip or the latest productivity tool, what's the new cool thing that's increasing efficiency or the latest book or the last thing he really turned me on to was a new podcast that he's listening to. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's always something. I just, I just seem to leave our conversations with some sort of information that has me better after the conversation than I was before the conversation. So today on the phone, I have one of the hosts from the very popular Real Estate Investing Mastery podcast, right here on iTunes. Real Estate Investing Mastery, of which you can uh, subscribe to right here on iTunes, just how you subscribe to mine. So please welcome Mr. Joe McCall. Joe, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. Hey Matt, how you doing? Doing very good. Really happy that you're here, and uh, excited to talk about what you're up to these days. Thank um, you. Yeah, you bet. So. I guess just, you know, I guess we're, we're all have this obligatory starting place when in an interview. Just (laughs) kind of tell us how you, how you guys started investing in, investing in real estate.
2: Oh, well, um, kind of on accident, I was working for a large, my background is in civil engineering and just out of college, I was working for a large engineering and construction company, building some power plants. And, um. I was transferred out to California. My wife and I had just bought a house in Kansas City, moved out to the Bay Area. It was supposed to be for a two-year assignment. It actually turned out to be just 10 months because the project shut down. But uh, we we've, we loved Northern California. But while we were out there, we decided let's rent this house out for a couple of years. And then when the project's done, we'll come back and live in it. Um, so I had no idea that, renting my house out would be such a nightmare. I mean, we had a property management company, but it was really stressful. I mean, we always felt like I was managing the property manager. Um, the rent was always late and they called every three to three days to every, every week for something that needed to be fixed. And I got tired of paying a plumber 35, 50 bucks an hour to fix something that I could do for free in 20 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the property management company was keeping all the late fees, and I'm struggling every month just to pay the mortgage. And um, so the job ended then early, and we had to come back, and we could we had no place to live because our house was rented out to these tenants we hated, um, but we couldn't kick them out because you know they always were paying their rent before the end of the month. But um, well, I, we, we we actually. Um, we actually moved to St. Louis right after that, and the, those tenants did buy the house um, a few months later. They did actually buy the house, but that was when it was easy to get mortgages. And I said to myself, I'm never going to invest in real estate again. This isn't for me. I don't like it. Um, but then I read the book, the, the famous or infamous book, whoever you want to say, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And right. um, what, what year did that come out, by the way?
0: That was 2001, I believe, or 2000. I just looked that up actually the other day to see how long ago did I read that, and I looked up the copyright date, and it'd been ten or eleven years.
2: I, you know, and and I may be wrong. I've not seen any research to do that to to say this, but I think that book is will go down in history as one of the most influential books in the business world in history, um, for good or bad. And I think that it had a strong contributing factor to the housing bubble, know, I, I may be wrong, but I know so many people who whose life was impacted, changed by that book. Um, and so anyway, I, I read the book and um, got excited about real estate. Had some friends that were, this was in 2004, 2005, the market was sky hot, was doing really well, even in the Midwest where I was at the time. And uh, you just could not go wrong. I remember reading books and seeing graphs of the last 50 years of real estate, and it's always gone up. Real estate always appreciates. And um, so I just didn't think you could go wrong, and I started buying a bunch of properties. And you know how easy it was to get loans back then?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Well, another thing is I I met this guy, a friend of ours, recommended, he said, hey, you got to talk to this guy who's down in Austin, building a bunch of multifamilies. And uh, so I actually went down to go visit him. And I don't remember why. Um, I just was really excited about real estate. And this was a guy to talk to. So I went and spent a day with him. Oh, I remember, I was thinking about maybe buying one of his multifamilies. But he said, there's two books you've got to read. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I had already read. And the second book was Secrets of a Millionaire Landlord by Robert Sheman um secrets of a millionaire landlord is a good foundational book entry-level book but he has a chapter in there about lease options and i got so excited about that because there's an avenue now that i could rent properties out and avoid the typical headaches you get for the most part on traditional landlording because now you have a tenant who wants to buy the house and they're going to take better care of it because they have a homeowner's mindset they're going to take better care of it than a typical tenant, right. and over my years, that that truly has been the case. Um, my tenant buyers take better care of my properties. They may not buy the homes as often or as much, you know, as I thought they would at the beginning, but they take they do take better care of the house. Well, anyway, so I started buying a bunch of homes, and uh, I bought as many homes as I could. The banks still even had limits back then in two thousand five.
0: Well, like twenty. And.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, <just got> <laughs> I think it was. I think it was ten or twelve, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was ten. Um, mm-hmm. But my mortgage broker was telling me, "Well, that's it's easy to get around that because you just then you bundle those loans into a business, a small business loan, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can start doing it all over again." Um, but the bank started. Uh, they started saying, "No, you can't do this anymore, and you can't buy any more houses." So then I started buying a bunch of homes subject to taking over existing mortgages, and uh, I, I, I kind of the reason I said, the uh, rich dad poor dad will go down in, in history as one of the best or worst books. Um, he taught a philosophy of of um, good debt and bad debt, and uh, I, I really maybe I didn't understand it right, but I really bought into the line that um, debt is good um as long as it produces cash flow and so i was of the philosophy that you know if i'm making 100 200 dollars a month it's okay to have all this debt because these properties are always going to appreciate and yeah. i'll just refinance if i need more cash yeah. um and so i got into a world of debt a lot of private lending um a lot of uh, i had a lot of private lenders on these homes and um I didn't have enough cash in the bank for a rainy day, and a big rainy day came in, you know, what was it, two thousand and seven, uh-huh. two thousand and eight, when it really hit hard, and um, all of a sudden, I had a bunch of properties, a bunch of vacancies, all at once. I had a bunch of, uh, um, uh, I had a serious cash flow problem, and uh, that one or two hundred dollars a month in monthly cash flow disappears pretty quick. And now, all of a sudden my private lenders are wanting their money back. These homes that I bought subject to, the sellers started wanting me to cash them out. Here's a crazy thing, Matt. The sellers started knocking on the doors on the of their of the houses and saying to the tenant buyers, "Hey, when are you going to buy this house?" The tenant buyers would say, "Well, who are you?" And they would say, "I own this house." And then the tenant buyer would say, "I thought Joe owned this house." And then all of a sudden the red flags start going up. They start talking to their attorneys, and then I start getting letters, right. and then my private my private investors get nervous, and there's not enough equity. They're all upside down now. And I can't find another investor to replace them. So anyway, um, I'd still – that was my – I've made a lot of mistakes, and one of the biggest ones I made was not understanding uh, cash flow, not understanding uh, wholesaling, quick cash strategies, right, mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: and getting into too much debt. And uh, so that, that was in 2008, 2009, and I was in a, a serious world of hurt. And I had a couple rehabs that went bad. I lost a ton of money on these rehabs. I mean, I, I bought them right before the market collapsed, and I was trying to sell them right after the collapsed. It was right. horrible. And these, they were big rehabs. I mean, um, median price in St. Louis is 150000 These were homes in the 300 dollars to $400,000 range. Wow luxury um oh yeah yeah (laughs) anyway that that's uh to make a a short story long my uh journey into real estate and and then from there i started learning about wholesaling and i'm sure we'll talk more about that
0: sure but wow you you definitely went through it you uh you experienced it with everyone else it looks like
2: yeah you know my my uh i'll just say this um things are a lot better now than they were before um, I've been working full-time in real estate now for three years, um, and I learned I learned wholesaling. Um, I started really paying off my debts, and um, things are a lot better now, but I, my, my credit took a serious hit, and um, so I'm still digging myself out. I've, I have almost all of my private lenders paid off now. Um, I never missed a payment on those subject two homes. Um, but I got behind on my own mortgage in our own house. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those homes I took over subject to, I deeded the properties back, back to the sellers, um, with tenants in them, mm-hmm. good tenants. I, I feel good about that. But, um, at the same time, uh, it was, I, I just made a lot of bad investment decisions. I bought into the hype. I didn't understand the fundamentals, the importance of the fundamentals. and. um I, I'm I'm glad to still be in the game, um, but it, it, I, I know a lot of people that uh, really got sucker punched and uh, are out of it, and will probably never get back. We'll never get back in. Yeah, you
0: know, I, I run into those people every single day. It seems like. Uh, yeah. There was a guy. Um, I've got a, a pretty unique offer going on right now with with my wholesaling business, and and I just knew this guy was going to be all about it because he was so into real estate, you know, maybe three or four years ago. No, about five years ago when I when I last saw him. I just knew he was gonna be all over this and and when I told him about it, he's like, nope, I'm not doing real estate, never doing it again. I mean he's in some multi-level marketing company now and that's his whole thing and he never wants to touch real estate again. Yeah. I was like wow it's You know,
2: cool. I was reading an article Well I, I was reading an article in the um it was on the Drudge Report and it was from my, I forget which website, but um the the guy who does the Schiller Home Index, uh, some economist it's a famous index for housing. Right. Um, he's predicting it'll be another generation before we see houses come back to the levels that they were before. Yeah. It, yep. It's that it, I don't know how long that is, twenty, thirty years. But um that's a big deal. And I, I think he might be right.
0: Right? It may be. You know, but you know what the the thing is is you know, people still need a place to live, and yeah. they still have to pay for that living. And so the strategy just changes. That's all.
2: Well, you're absolutely right. And you know what else? The population in the U.S. is not shrinking. Not by okay. any means. <laughs> they, no, I think I heard somewhere it's going to double by the year 2050, um, the population in the U.S. In yeah. the next 40, 50 years, it's going to double. Well, where are those people going to live? I mean, there will always be a demand for housing. Yeah. When the market changes, you have to be able to change with it. I remember. Do you remember that book, uh, "Who Moved My Cheese"? Yes. Did you ever? I, I love that I book. I read it when mm-hmm. I was in corporate America, but it really had a profound impact on me because to be smart enough to know where your cheese went to and then be able to find it. Um, it's, a, it's a story written from the perspective of some mice, right. and um, who realized their cheese had been moved and the ones the the smart mice went and found where the new uh, cheese was or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, but that had a profound impact on me because when the market did starting started falling apart I had a ton of leads that didn't have any equity from people who couldn't or didn't want to sell their house and so I had no idea how to help them I would throw these leads away and that's when I that's when I discovered my, my my favorite strategy of wholesaling lease options. Where, so I changed with the market, and mm-hmm. I started looking at well, okay, this stuff doesn't work anymore. But that doesn't mean nothing works anymore, right? right. And so, no matter what the market's doing, no matter which market you're in—in in California or the Midwest or Florida—there's always, in my opinion, there's always a way to make money in real estate, mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I mean, and just the, yeah, the one statistic that you had mentioned is how, is the population. I mean, it's, in year, the year yeah. 2007, there are more babies born in 2007 than any other year in history. And, wow. you know, we have the baby boomers that were so responsible for this last real estate boom, really. I mean, there were, you know, you hit your money earning years once you, you get your to your late, mid 40s and to your 50s. That's where most people earn most of their money. And their yeah. incomes are really exceptional. And that's where the baby boomers were. And they were buying their second homes and their vacation homes. And they were buying investment properties. And they were upgrading their, their current residences. And, you know, that really drove it. And then, yeah. but, the you know, you've got, what is it, uh, the echo boomers right behind them, which is a bigger portion of the population in a smaller time period. I think the baby hmm. boomers are spread out over 14 years. Yeah. And the, the echo boomers are spread out over 11 years. But there's more of them in the 11 years than there are the baby boomers in the 40 years. Wow, and then you got this generation that uh, in two thousand seven there are more babies born than ever. It's like the pop, the the, the demand yeah. is here, and when you got de- built in demand, that's always a good investment. You just got to figure out how to uh, how to make it work.
2: Well, and you know what else, Matt? There'll always be a demand for homes in California, Florida, uh, Phoenix, and Vegas. These places where um, people want to live. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know why people would want to live in Phoenix, but. Right. <laughs> Know. Some people some people do, and they always will. I don't know, you know, the weather and the, you know, no allergies and stuff like that. But um, so there will always be a demand for housing in, in California. Anywhere yeah. where there's mountains or coastline, um, there's going to be a demand for those kinds of houses.
0: Right. Absolutely. So the reason I had you on the show, Joe, is is um, something very unique about you, and it's something that I I really profess. And when I see it in somebody, I'm attracted to it, and I want I love to talk to them because um, I love to hear people prove my theories right. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. But uh, what you have is you have a very focus, you have a very narrow focus on your investment strategy. Joe does one thing and Joe does it very, very well and that's what I, I profess is that you find that one thing rather than trying to be the jack of all trades, just get really good at your one thing and you completely eliminate the competition. No one can compete with you if you're that good and that focused on one strategy and you have a really unique strategy. You wholesale lease options and that's right. what I wanted you to talk about today and and um, how, did you, how did you get into well, you, I guess you kind of already explained it, but I'm curious on the on the wholesaling part and and how it all starts. So let's just kind of start from yeah. the beginning and, and like, how do you find your deals first off, and, and what areas are you
2: looking? Well, I'm. Um, let me tell you how I used to find my deals. Because mm-hmm. um, when I my, I was in a serious cash flow problem and my I, I, I dusted off the all of the old courses and I started reading them again. And almost all of them said wholesaling is the foundational element of real estate investing. You've got to learn wholesaling. And because that's what puts the cash in your pocket. You know, when you can have, you'd be doing a bunch of deals with big, you know, big back end paydays. um, But what are you going to do to fill in the gaps? And uh, so at the time, I remember thinking, oh, it's just not sexy. You know, I don't want to do wholesaling. I'd rather make make a slow dime than a quick nickel. But then I started realizing wholesaling is important. So I and and this was at a time, too, when I was really frustrated. I I was trying to be a jack of all trades, doing all these different strategies and not having much success. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to pick one thing. And I I actually bought I said, I'm only going to buy one more course and I'm going to do what it says. I actually bought two. One of them was uh, Steve Cook's course on wholesaling, wholesaling for quick cash. And another one was Chris Chico's course on virtual wholesaling. And I just, I I said, I'm going to do what these guys say. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to, I'm going to send the postcards they say to send. I'm going to make the offers they say to make. And I'm not going to try to figure it out why I'm just going to do it. And uh, so my first deal, I mean, to my shock, it worked. And uh, my first deal was a response to a postcard. It was a, I was actually mailing this person about another house closer into the city. She responded to me and said, I got this house way out in the sticks. It's about an hour to an hour and a half from downtown St. Louis. And it's a three family. And um, she wants to sell it. And I can't get any comps. It's in really bad shape. And it's actually rented. She collects the rent with cash every week from the tenant's. It's one of those places, mm-hmm. and she doesn't even have copies of the leases. And I told her, I'm just not interested. She begged me to make an offer, and uh, she actually called me like three or four times. I finally looked it up and I mean it, was, it had expired the year before for like 130, 140, and I had, I couldn't come up with comps because there's nothing out there like that, and, um, and I didn't have any cash buyers in that area. And I just said, you know what? Uh, I can give you fifty for it. And you know what she said, Matt? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she said, oh, "Okay. Mm-hmm. Where can I sign? When can I sign the contract?" And I was I was absolutely floored, and um, and real nervous. And I I I sent her. Uh, I actually met with her, and I made sure her son was with her. And her she has an adult son because I didn't want to be accused of taking advantage of anybody. Mm-hmm. And um, I put every contingency I could think of in that contract. I remember it was like two paragraphs of of contingencies, so I could get out if in case I needed to. I had it under contract for fifty. I sold it the next day for sixty five and um, I mean, I just couldn't believe that it happened, and it happened to me, right? I mean, this is stuff that i that you only hear about at those in the gurus when they come to speak at your local area, right you know I only hear about these things happening to the late night infomercial guys, um, but it actually happened to me. This stuff actually works. Um, I was shocked. I was floored and I, I, I got real excited. So I started doing a bunch of marketing um, and I'm a big fan, big believer of direct mail marketing, direct response marketing. And so I started spending uh, tons of money on postcards, and I was working a full time job and I was forced to kind of, outsource as much as I could so I started developing systems to get my marketing done for me in spite of me using virtual assistants and stuff but now I had a problem of getting so many leads and I was throwing away a ton of leads and I got tired of that and I thought there's got to be a better way what what can I do with these leads I'm throwing away they didn't have any equity or if they did they weren't willing to share any of it with me or um, they didn't want to sell their house right now they could maybe sell it a few years down the road So I started thinking about why can't – and I loved wholesaling, right? And I loved lease options because options allow you to control property without owning it. This is a time in my life I didn't want to own any more debt. I wanted to get – I wanted to – I didn't want another deed. Another deed was the last thing I wanted, right? So options, the great thing about options is they allow you to control property without owning it. You get almost all of the benefits of owning property without owning it. Uh, without being obligated to the debt, and um, I think the only exception that I can think of, there's two exceptions that I can think of. Is number one, you can't borrow private money um, because you don't have the deed to the house, okay. which is fine with me. I don't want to borrow any more private money against a house. I'm trying to get completely out of debt. And number two, you don't maybe you don't get the tax benefits um, by not owning the deed to the house. So for me. Yeah. I mean, big whoop. Um, but I, so I I loved options. And, um, so I asked myself, why can't I wholesale lease options? Um, and I can get these properties under a contract to lease option them. And then I can wholesale that contract to a tenant buyer, somebody who wants to live in the house. Now I didn't invent the strategy, but I'd never heard of anybody other, anybody else doing that before. And so I started advertising to friends and to my local RIA, Hey, um, I'll do a lease option on your property, and and I'll just keep five hundred dollars of the option deposit money, if I find a good tenant buyer, and a lot of people started saying, yeah, okay, I'll do. You can do that, and uh, I realized pretty quickly that that's a lot of work for just a little bit of money, right? Mm-hmm. And um, my virtual assistant at the time, who was a lady in Indiana said to me, Joe, um, this other guy I'm working for does something similar to you and he's making a lot more money, I think, than you are. You might want to give him a call. And I thought, okay. And I looked up his website and he's doing the same thing I'm doing. So I call the guy up and I find out he's keeping the entire option deposit money. And he's doing these deals down south in Atlanta, but he's doing them from his condo in Florida. He's got this condo overlooking the ocean. And he's flipping these properties, you know, a thousand miles away mm-hmm. with just a cell phone and a laptop. And I thought, this is really cool. And so I started digging into it. Um, I started implementing it in my own business. And uh, keep in mind, too, this was at a time when I was just starting to see some breakthrough. At the same time, I had this full-time job that was I was working 60 hours a week on, and I was trying to... You know, be a good dad, a good husband. and I was failing miserably, and um, I've—I was—I always came home with this tremendous guilt when I'd come home from work because I'd spent half the day at work doing real estate stuff. I mean, I was getting good performance reviews. I was getting my job done, but I was not giving my employer a hundred percent, and I always felt really guilty about that because they were paying me to work forty hours a week, um, and I was working. 20 to 30 hours a week. And it's kind of funny, maybe (laughs) my last day at work, you know, they told me, Hey Joe, if you ever want to come back, you know, if it doesn't work out. And I thought, man, if you only knew (laughs) you would not want me to come back. And, um, so I always felt really guilty about that. I really, really wanted to work for myself. I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to have my own business. Um, But I just had no idea how to make it work for me. I'd seen it work where I'd have a few deals here and there. I'm going to make some great money, but it never really something that, you know what, I can make a full time income from this consistently every month. Well, anyway, I I started wholesaling these lease options. And within three months, my part time income doing that surpassed my full time income. And and, um, I got really excited about that because now. Now this is something that is pretty consistent. I can do these deals pretty regularly. And I was spending about 10% of what I was spending before on marketing. Um, I stopped doing direct mail and I just started focusing uh, on finding leads in Craigslist. And, um, so now my only marketing expense was my virtual assistants. And I had these VAs now that were doing the marketing for me. And, um, And so that's when my life completely changed, and I decided to take the big leap of faith, and I quit my job and uh, started flipping lease options full time. And um, it's it's it's. I think what you said is real key to Matt. And you had an episode. I wish I remember which one it was on your podcast um, about focus. And uh, you talked. It's it's an episode where you talked about your. Your Funny Story of the Tax Lien Sale in oh, California.
0: Do right. uh-huh.
2: you remember what episode that was?
0: <sighs> Probably in the teens somewhere, 15, 16, 17, something like that.
2: It, uh, yeah. If, you, if you, Anybody listening to this, if you've not listened to it, you should go look it up. Um, and you, you just talked in there. I thought it was really, really good about how you need to find a strategy and focus on it and, and work it until you get it. And it's okay to then branch out into new strategies. You know, once you got one down, um, for what I do, a lot of people just use it as a tool in their tool belt. Right. Um, but it's also a great strategy for a full-time income, just flipping lease options. And the great thing about this is you can do this virtually, um, anywhere in the country from anywhere in the world. And, um, I mean, you have properties all over the U S Matt. Um, I'm in Europe. I'm in Prague right now flipping these lease options in St. Louis and in California. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, I I love this business because it gives me the freedom to live the life that I want to live.
0: Right. Right. Awesome. So let's go through the, just for someone that might not even know what a lease option is. An option is, you know, you, you're purchasing the right to purchase the property somewhere down the road, but you don't actually purchase the property. Right. Okay. And so when you find someone that's a viable client or a viable uh, prospect for your, your strategy, so you pay them an option fee first. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, it's usually a dollar or $10. You, you, you have to have, it has to be some kind of consideration. You have to pay consideration for a contract to be valid, right? Got it. So um, it's a dollar, $10. I'll pay the seller to get the property under an option contract, which gives me equitable interest in the property. Right. And, and frankly, any contract is really an option contract for the mm-hmm. most part, right? Because even a sales contract, you're going to give yourself a few contingencies to get out of it. It's what's called a unilateral contract, right? right. Only one party has to perform. So I have the option to buy the property if I want, but the the seller has to sell it to me if I decide to exercise my option at a predetermined price. Right.
0: Right. So the people that you're getting to give you an option on their property, $1, $10, these are really motivated people. You're finding motivated sellers.
2: Yeah. But here's the cool thing I liked about it though, is they don't have to be the super motivated sellers like the lady who was willing to sell her house to me for 30, 40 cents on the dollar, mm. um, right? So I don't have to find the most desperate, motivated sellers, and um, I don't have to try to negotiate them down and beat them down in price. Um, this I can do this with people who are really motivated, semi-motivated, sometimes not even that motivated, they just are tired of being a landlord and and they want to rent their house now to somebody who wants to buy it um, so i they I do go after the motivated sellers i mean the, the more I've been doing this, the better I get at if they're not motivated and ready to do a deal today, then I just get off the phone. Um, you know I put them in my follow up list so I, I really try hard to be off the phone in three to five minutes whenever I'm talking to a seller. Um, mm-hmm. I believe in building rapport that's important i understand that but it's it's probably more important when you are negotiating a really good price on a house but what i do my offer is real simple i just ask the seller what do you want for your house okay i'll get it for you okay that's that's what i that's my offer and so if they're not ready to to sign the agreement today then they're not ready, and I'm not going to waste my time anymore. My time with them, I'm going to move on to the next one. So, um, the uh, it, it's it, that's kind of time. It's it's time management, but it's also it, realizing that you're in business to make money today, right? right? If if you're not, you have to focus your business like a laser on activities that are making you money today. Um, and many times we fall into the trap of overanalyzing properties, doing too much research. Um, is that, those stuff that, you're, that you think is important, you know, a lot of times I see investors fall into the trap of using social, too much social media for their investing business. And I believe in social media, um, but all that time that you're spending, hours a day on social media, is that really making you any money today? Probably not. What are some things you could be doing today to start making you money? Well, talking to sellers for one of them Mm -hmm. is really good activity, right? Marketing. um, Don't get me started about marketing. I'm a big believer in that. We're not in the real estate business. We're in the sales and marketing business. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is that's what this is all about, and that's what we need to focus on as investors is getting leads. Leads are the lifeblood of your business, and if you have a lot of leads. You're not going to have a problem um, doing deals. And depending on your strategy, the motivation level, when you're doing options, you don't have to have the super motivated sellers that are ready to just give you their property for pennies on the dollar. You can do this strategy with a much wider range of sellers. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So your pitch to the – to the to the owner, you're putting this under option for, for ten bucks and you're gonna go out and find someone to flip this to. So you obviously Correct. collect a a more of a normal type option fee from the person you're flipping to.
2: Well yeah and I create um, this is something I'm starting to do more of lately. I, I I am starting to create more and more notes and that's something we can talk about maybe later. But what I do though is I I take the option I have an option now on this property, and I can sell that option to somebody else for any price I want. I mean, I could sell that option to anybody I want for whatever I want. And uh, the option spells out the terms of the lease option, right? The price of the home is going to be this, the rent's going to be this, the rent credits are going to be this, and they're going to have two years to buy the house or whatever, right? Right. That's all spelled out. Now I'm going to go out and find a tenant buyer. Now. I am not a realtor. I am actually working on getting my license. I've already taken the test. When I get back to the States, I'm going to finish all of that mind-numbing paperwork. Mm -hmm. So when I get back, I'm going to become a realtor, but I'm not finding tenant for the seller or I'm not finding a business for the seller. I'm not matching these two people together because you need a license to do that. But what I am doing is I have a property under contract. It's just like wholesaling, a traditional wholesaling deal. I have a property in a contract, and I'm selling or assigning that contract to somebody else. Now, I do recommend hiring realtors to help you do the marketing, stuff like that. But then that realtor now is representing me. They're representing me, and they're selling my option on that property.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of how I do that's one of the reasons why I can outsource so much of this is because I have the VAs do the marketing for me. I now have VAs that are actually talking to the sellers and I have local retailers that are selling the homes and marketing the homes for me. Mm-hmm. So that can, you can literally outsource 75, 85, 90% of this business. If you have the systems in place and, and you know what you're doing. Right. Um, so, okay. Your question is how do I get paid? I think,
0: right? Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> okay.
2: Well, I have the property under an option now for um, – I put down $10 to get that property under an option. I'm going to advertise that house. I have the seller tell me what they want to walk away with. And let's just say they say, I want $150,000 for this house. So I'm going to advertise that option for – well, I'm going to set the option price maybe at one hundred and sixty. dollars mm-hmm. So the seller wants one hundred and fifty. dollars I'm going to bump that price up to maybe 160, and that's going to cover my my profit, the option deposit that I'm keeping, and the rent credits that the tenant buyer is going to get to cover their closing costs. right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to now advertise the house as a lease option for a tenant buyer. Mm-hmm. And a tenant buyer, sometimes I advertise what kind of option deposit I want, sometimes I won't. Sometimes, if I know it's going to be a harder house to sell, I won't advertise a specific number because I'd be willing to. I'm willing to create a note for that option deposit. Mm. So anyway, um, the I'll advertise it for as as for, for an option price of one hundred and sixty thousand dollars for rent of a thousand dollars, whatever the seller wants. So again. I'm wholesaling this contract, so I do not stay in the middle. I'm I'm completely out of this deal once I assign my contract. All my liability and responsibility is gone. It's removed. So I advertise it now as a lease option. And the, the money that the tenant buyer puts down goes to me, but I set it up in the paperwork where that tenant buyer will get that option deposit back as part of their future down payment or as a credit to the purchase price, if and when they buy the house a year or two down the road. Mm-hmm. All right? So basically assigning my lease option to the seller. The seller understands, everybody understands up front how I'm getting paid. They understand that I'm not hiding anything. The seller understands. And, and I keep my options flexible too, so they're not closed. In other words, the seller can still sell their house and still rent it on their own And if they do sell it or rent it before I do, then they can cancel my contract, and I don't get paid anything. Hmm. Uh, So that that's one of the reasons why I do lose some deals that way. But I think I gain more deals. I do more deals that way because I'm 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 willing to I'm able to sign up more sellers because of that.
0: Sure. Oh, there's there's the big answer for the one dollar ten dollar option. Right. Right. Awesome. And I find that. uh... You know, like you said, you will lose some deals, but you know, if you're dealing straight with people and you're not, you know, strong arming them, you'll probably get more deals will work out than not.
2: <clears throat> well, here's the cool thing, Matt. You can create notes for these options, um, and and that's something that I'm really starting to focus more and more on. One of my mentors, his name is Claude Diamond. Um, he he's taught me this, and I've known this for a long time, but it wasn't until just like recently, a few months ago, that I started thinking more and more about this. And um, there's a lot of deals that I have lost because I waited to find a tenant buyer who had a large option deposit. Um, And if I would have accepted somebody that had good income, but maybe didn't have the large option deposit I wanted, if I could have taken whatever they had and then created a note to cover the difference, um I would be sitting on a very nice pile of monthly residual passive income, mm. and the more I do this business, you know how important cash flow is and and, and income passive every, income everything now you could right now you could argue, well, okay, you know that's not really passive income i maybe you're right, but um I looked at the numbers and and if you if you just figured, I don't remember what they are exactly, but if you just created two to four of these notes every month um, at uh, two hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars a month per note, okay? Mm-hmm. You could be sitting on ten thousand dollars a month coming in on these notes every month within ten to twelve months. Now, if you think about it, I remember you, you tell the story of, uh, I don't know if you've told your podcast or maybe you just told us you're, you, one of your goals is to, is to get a house on Malibu,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Uh, and what's your, what's your strategy for doing that? You want to yeah. get the.
0: Sure. That's, we're on track for that too, to hit it in uh, November, um, purchasing rental property in yes. the Midwest. And I'm really focused on, on Memphis right now is that, uh. Cash on cash is really good there, and, yeah. but producing or acquiring enough rental income there to pay a rental here in Malibu, a house that I couldn't afford—like you know, we're talking four or five million dollar house—and maybe, maybe yeah. "couldn't" is a strong word, but wouldn't—I don't want to. I don't want a ten thousand, twelve thousand dollar mortgage when right. I can right. have the exact same lifestyle for a six thousand dollar rent, and uh, you know, I got my rental property paying for that.
2: Yes. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, Matt, it was that story when you told us that a few months ago
1: uh-huh.
2: that really got me thinking about income, a passive income. Um, and I don't, I don't want to own a bunch of rental properties, I mean, even though the cash on cash return is great. that In my, my stage in my, in my business and my life right now, I'm trying to pay off completely all my debts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to own any more properties right now. Um, but that's just my personal strategy and belief right now. Uh, but I love what you're doing with the the idea of creating cash flow. And and you also said something one time that was really neat. I'd never looked at it this way before. There's a big difference between, um, what did you say, uh, earning $200 a month
0: Oh, the difference between two hundred dollars of cash and two hundred dollars of cash flow.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, huge difference. Tell,
2: the, tell that again. This is really good.
0: Well, sure. Um, yeah, like two hundred dollars of cash. You know, a lot of people will reject a a passive income property or a passive income opportunity for two hundred dollars, and you know, maybe even the notes that you're talking about might be a perfect example as well. Right. They might turn down that two hundred dollars of cash, that uh cash flow, because they mistake it for two hundred dollars of just cash. And, right. you know, $200 of cash doesn't have that much of an impact on our lives. It's a, you know, a pair of Air Jordans these days, and that's it. <laughs> but but And then it's gone. But $200 a month of cash flow, when you actually look at our market, and really, I mean, and it's going to be this way for a really long time, that, uh, you know, what it takes, how much money you have to put into the bank. At the right. high, if, go out and find the most aggressive, highest, most liberal savings account you can find you know, and you're looking at you have to, to have a deposit of, you know, somewhere in that realm of $200,000, 250000 just to create yes. $200 of cash flow. So it's, you know, what's right. what's easier to do is, or which one's easier to save $250,000 and put it in the bank so you can get $200 a month in cash flow or go out and write a note on a $5,000 option.
2: Uh-huh. You know? Yeah.
0: And all of a sudden. You're
2: absolutely when you when you realize that, and this gets me excited mm-hmm. when you when that clicks in your brain, um, the potential is huge. Um, you could easily if you, if you um if I could it, it, I would love the idea of living in in uh, La Jolla on a uh, on a six hundred six thousand dollar a month uh, house. Um, <laughs> okay, so now i I don't want to spend. My hard-earned money, you know, six thousand dollars a month—that's a lot of money, right? Right. I don't want, to, I don't want to take the my blood, sweat, and tears, hard work, money, hard-working money to pay for that. Um, and what I mean by that is, I—I I think your strategy of finding investments that could give you that kind of cash flow that would pay for that. I think is really a wise investment and a wise use of your time and energy. So, what do you do? Um, you can. I think there's two main ways in real estate right now to get to that kind of a goal. Number one is to is to buy properties that have s- serious cash on cash return, solid. I, I mean by I mean serious. I mean I mean solid cash on cash returns. And the, and the numbers you're talking about, Matt, of two hundred dollars a month—that is after all of your expenses, right? That's after taxes and insurance. That's after property management fees, and and you're probably saving fifteen to twenty percent on vacancies and repairs. Yeah. Um, well, get you this, have all get of this,
0: your bases Get this yeah. in Memphis right now. I'm getting twenty percent cash on cash owning outright, no debt, and I'm getting twenty
2: percent. Well, yeah, that's right. That's just
0: fantastic. There's no leverage, so it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. But anyway, go ahead.
2: And, and then, when 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 you can partner with other investors, private investors, and become partners on these deals, you know, then that's a whole nother. That's a strategy that I get excited about too. Okay, so that's number one. I think right now is, is buying good, solid, cash-flowing properties, and they're everywhere right now. Right. Um. So, and then the number two, I think, is that's really exciting is creating notes. And you can create notes for anything. And it it may not even be a lease option, but you might be able to... uh, um, Claude, he was telling me a story. Um, He just collected the last $2,500 on a note that he created on an option on a multifamily five years ago. Wow. All right. What had happened is he found a free and clear seller through his marketing. We had a multifamily. They just wanted to get rid of it, but they weren't willing to drop it to as low as what Claude was willing to buy it for, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to think about deals when you're marketing is how can I make this marketable to other investors that I want to wholesale this to, right? Or how can I make this marketable to the retail buyer? So he's thinking about, well, what's more important to the seller? And he asked him, what's more important to you, price or terms? And I've heard you talk about this a lot. And the seller says, price. Um, I really want this price, and I can't go any lower than that. And so Claude then said, all right, I'll get you that price if you give me my terms. And the seller said, okay, what are your terms? Well, whatever it was, I don't remember all the specifics, but he basically owner-financed. He got this property under contract to owner-finance it for like zero down, and um $2,000 $2,000 a month or whatever, but it rented for $5,000 a month total, all of the units, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then he turned around and advertised it um, as a zero down deal to an investor. He created a note for the down payment. All right. Mm-hmm. And he found an investor who was willing to pay $2,500 a month to him. So I think maybe the down payment was a hundred was, a was a hundred thousand dollars, I, I don't know, fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And um, so he offered to sell this property to an investor for um, a fifty thousand dollars down payment. and he just passed on whatever payments that the seller wanted. He just passed them on to the investor. Mm-hmm. And then he said to the investor, by the way, um, you know how much can you put down now and how much can you afford per month? So he negotiated the terms of the note. But he also, to sweeten the deal for the investor, to make it more marketable, he advertised it as, I won't charge you any interest on this note, all right? Mm -hmm. So now this investor takes over this property and pays Claude $2,500 a month every month for five years on this note for this property. And even after making the payments for the note and paying the original owner the monthly payments... He's still cash flowing really, really well. Anyway, my whole point in all this is you can create notes on almost any type of deal. It may be something that you would pass up uh, um, if you were trying to t- wholesale it traditionally, but maybe there's a way you could structure some kind of owner financing or some kind of lease option um, and still give the seller what they want if the long as they're willing to wait for it. And then to turn around and sell it to another investor, to a tenant buyer, to a retail buyer, and create a note for that down payment, um, I get excited about that because you, 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 it does. It's not. It, it would not take long to make us get passive income of over ten thousand dollars a month. And um, what could what could that do for you? I mean that's ten thousand dollars a month. Where if you wanted to take the next three months off and go to Tahiti, you could do that, right? Or you could go live in that five million dollar mansion in Malibu if you wanted, and not have to worry about making a payment, right? Because somebody else is making it for you. Um, I, I love that.
0: Yep, and if you know if you really. We talked we kind of opened up the the show talking about rich dad, poor dad and his new definition of wealth was just getting your passive income to exceed your expenses. Right. So I'd much rather have the ten thousand dollars a month that I know is coming in every single month than, you know, than working to save the ten million dollars I gotta put in the bank to um to create that ten thousand dollars a month. And like what you said, I mean you could you know 12 months or less, you could create $10,000 a month in passive income. But how long would it take for you to create $10 million? That takes, you know, a lifetime if you ever get there.
2: Well, here's the cool thing about options too, um, is that you don't have to use any of your own cash Mm -hmm. for them. And you don't have to get a loan or a mortgage on them, right? right? You don't have to go out and, and take over the loan or get a new mortgage or use your own cash, or use a private investor. Now, there's a place for that. I understand that. Uh Um, But you can create notes on these options, and you don't have any obligations. I'm trying to get rid of all the obligations in my life, except to love God and love my family, right?
1: Uh
2: I don't want any other obligations. I don't want to owe any man anything except to love, like the Bible says, right? Uh So how can I do that in my business? Well, why not create these notes? And you know you, the, the default rate, I don't know, 20 um, percent on the high end. Um, Claude, he has probably literally at least a couple hundred notes because he's been doing this for years and years. Um, his default rate, he says, is about seven to eight percent. Um, so that is still, those, even 20 percent. Which is a high number a high rate of default um, that's um that's still really good that's income that you didn't spend any money for right. <laughs> or you're right. not using any of your own capital for right
0: right hey let me ask you on when you create an uh a note for an option, are you collateralizing yeah. that in any way
2: uh, it depends now um you could if you wanted to, but here's the thing um let's say you collateralized it for some jewelry or a car or a boat you know if that if that person who bought that option is facing really tough if they're struggling um I don't know if I could have the heart to kick them in the kick them to the curb and take their car away from them um, so you could collateralize it you can't. You can't record. At least I don't think you can, or I don't even know. Maybe it's not the right thing to do, but you you probably should not record that note against the property, because right. um, you don't own the property, right? Right. Um, but maybe there is some way where you could do that. Mm. Um, but so, do I re- take personal guarantees, promise? You know, I don't. Um, but I think it might depend on the deal. If it's a big deal, um, maybe I will try to do that. But um, I've not had a, a big note um, more than um, $500 or $700 yet. To So <laughs> well, here's the other thing that's real important when you're creating notes. You have to have it set up where you get their credit card information, their PayPal information, and their checking account information. And I like setting up the payments to be automatically withdrawn from their checking account every two weeks when they get paid. Uh So if they get paid every second Friday, I'm going to withdraw my half of my monthly payment, you know, whatever it is, um, every two weeks automatically from their checking account. So they don't even have to, I don't have to worry about them sending me a check or anything. It just happens automatically. Um, So you'll find that that... Really helps a lot when you get it get it set up like that, where it's withdrawn from their account every month. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so usually, and if they default on that note, um, usually it's because you know they lost their job or they're facing bankruptcy. Um, and I could pursue that, um, but is it worth my my energy and time? You know, I don't I, I don't think so. And maybe mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just let the Let's go that's happened to me once
0: or twice, got it got it
2: so what what did I have in it? What did I have in it
0: Matt? oh right, totally, just a little bit of a little bit of sweat,
2: yeah, hmm
0: totally no, I like it it's uh i'm I'm thinking of a couple opportunities I'm working with right now where maybe if I create a note, I could actually close those deals like maybe as soon oh. as I get off this phone call <laughs> so
2: so here's the thing how long would it take you? What, what if you just started creating notes to get to your $6,000 goal?
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's, that's somewhat then, of the strategy I'm doing in Memphis right now. So it's, uh, i am definitely on the same wavelength. I'm just, you just kind of opened up my eyes to maybe a couple other areas where I could do the same strategy in.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a, that's a great thing about creative real estate is you, is you get to be creative mm-hmm. and, and if you can think outside the box and here's the thing. We we're talking before all of this about finding the strategies that work in this market. You know, maybe creating notes was the best strategy when the market was screaming hot. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a bad strategy, but, um, but now it's a really good strategy, I think, because there's a lot of people out there who can't sell their house, and a lot more people who can't buy a house mm-hmm. because their credit is shot. Mm-hmm. But they want to buy a house. They want to sell their house. They're they're good people. Bad things happen to good people. They lost their job. They have medical bills that they can't pay for. Um, they don't want to rent another house. They want to buy a house and they need another chance at home ownership. Um so they may be they may have really solid income, been on their job for 10 years, um, but they had uh, um a spouse lost a job or they went through a bitter divorce. Something bad happened. And um, they don't have maybe the five ten thousand dollars 10000 that you want for the deposit to lease option a home. But they have the income to pay for it. Um, so why not take out a note on those properties? So you could sell these notes, again, like we've been talking about, right. uh, to the tenant buyers uh, or, or to investors um, and even retail buyers.
0: Right. right. Have you thought of even okay. selling the notes?
2: Well, that's, you could, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. You know, so many investors that, I, I don't think it's as hot of a strategy that it used to be, but I remember a few years ago that one of the hottest strategies was going out and buying notes mm-hmm. um, and finding notes and negotiating them and buying them and selling them to brokers, and making money as middleman or whatever. Well, why not just create your own notes? So mm-hmm. that's maybe an exit strategy. You could, um, right. you could go out and sell these notes once you have them under, uh, under contract, and they've been performing. You need some kind of history mm-hmm. before you can sum.
0: right? Indeed, awesome. So, tell me, you are in Prague right now, and you are yes. out there. Uh, are you out there to to prove a point, or is it an experiment that you can flip remote? Tell me about your journey and how you ended up there, and what you're doing out there.
2: Oh <laughs> uh, well, um, we lived in Prague. This is the Czech Republic. Um, that's not Slo- Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia. They're two different countries uh-huh. now. But anyway, we were out here in '98. My wife and I got married when I was in college. I did a student exchange program in the Czech Republic, and we got married a week later. We moved out here into Prague, Prague, for six months, and we really fell in love with the city. It's a gorgeous city. Um, we made a lot of different friends here, and we, you know, we lived for six months I took courses in English. Um, and we've always wanted to come back. And um, so we talked, we have four kids. And recently we were talking about, well, why don't we go back to Prague? But we can't go for like a week or two weeks. taking that many kids. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult. It's a challenge traveling overseas. Well, we thought, why don't we go for a couple weeks? I'm sorry, a couple months. Why don't we go for a couple months? Um, so I got online, you know, homoway.com, and I found some really incredible flats or two-bedroom apartments right in the heart of Prague in the best areas um, for very reasonably priced, um, furnished and everything. Right, mm-hmm. um, just minutes of walks, you know, minute. It's away from um, the most beautiful places and things to see in Prague. Um, so we said, let's do it. And my wife homeschools our kids. Uh, they're, they're eight, six, three, and one. So she homeschools the uh, the eight and the six-year-old. Wow. And um, so we said, let's do it. And, and um, I decided to – I'm already flipping properties virtually in St. Louis, right? So in St. Louis, I don't go see the home or meet the sellers um, i don't even talk to the sellers anymore but so i'm already doing this stuff virtually in st louis right mm-hmm. um, so i thought well why don't i do start an uh, open up a new market whatever and start marketing in um and a new market and so i um, i started thinking more about that and i thought well why don't i blog about it cuz i love to teach um i i really do i i i i make Very good money flipping real estate, but I also make good money teaching and coaching people how to do what I'm doing. And I really enjoy that. I I find it honestly, I find it more fulfilling to teach and coach than to actually do deals. But I still do deals because I I enjoy that as well. Um, So I thought, well, why don't I create a blog and make it free um, and just kind of show people what I'm doing and how I'm doing it? Not necessarily to prove that it can be done. Because I don't want to set myself up, um, you know, like that. But just to kind of teach and to show people that yes, you really can do this virtually, remotely from anywhere in the world. All you need technology today—it's absolutely astounding, astound- astonishing. Mm-hmm. Um, all you need is a laptop and high-speed internet, and and you could do this business from anywhere in the world. And uh, we're on Skype right now. It's absolutely free to use Skype. <laughs> and, um, and I have uh, about three or four full time virtual assistants right now that are doing marketing for me in this new city. And um, I actually blog about it. I created a blog at remotepropertyflipping.com. And I just, I, we've been here almost two weeks now. And um, the market is going full speed ahead, and, and um, we're getting pretty much inundated and overwhelmed with leads. Uh, we just did a batch of yellow letters and got about 15% response rate. Awesome. And we're doing um, a bunch of Craigslist marketing, emails, text messages, and cold calls. And uh, we're getting way more leads than we can handle. So part of the st- uh, problem has not been getting the leads, but is – getting the systems in place to handle all the leads. Right. Uh
1: Um,
2: so, but I'm blogging about this and, um, you know, my tagline is uh, flipping properties with a laptop while traveling the world with my family. And so our goal is to at least once a year, maybe twice a year, go visit a new country somewhere in the world. And, um, you know, it's a big world. My kids, um, we live in a, in a really nice suburban neighborhood in St. Louis. And um, there's a whole lot more out there than, than what we are living in. We probably are the are in the top 5% of the entire world for wealth, um, right? I mean, when you look at how 95% of the world really lives, uh, we are very fortunate in America to live the way we do. And so I, I want, I'd like my kids to grow up can you imagine, you know, over going over the, the course of your life, visiting a new country every year uh-huh. when my my youngest daughter is 18, she'll be in she'll be she'll be have visited 18 different countries. So that gets me excited. I really think that's cool. I love the idea of uh, what I call location independence, um, setting up um, life on my terms. Um, I, I'm part of this coaching program called Life and Air. Um, instead of Millionaire, it's Life and Air. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really opened my eyes to was designing a business to revolve around your life. So many of us, we have our business. We have our 40-hour-a-week job. We have, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are just really a slave to their own job. So mm-hmm. our life then revolves around our business or it revolves around our job. And I realize some people don't have a choice. They have to do that, right? But why, not, why can't we design our lives first, the way we want our life to be? You know, I want to be home and have lunch every day with my kids. I want to be able to take them to the zoo on a Thursday, uh, or I want to be able to travel the world and go somewhere for two months, right? right. So I wanted, to, I wanted to design my life first, create a vision for my life, and then, secondly, design a business that fits around my life. So, it's a matter of controlling and dictating life on, on the way, what I, what's most important to me, my priorities, my values. Mm-hmm. And then I want to have a business that supports my lifestyle, not ha- trying to have a life that supports my business. Um, so, that's what I'm trying to live out here. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning as we go. It's, it's, it's really awesome. One of my kids the other day, said my wife asked them what do you like so much about being in Prague and one of them said um well we get to go do a bunch of things together as a family and we get to hang out more with dad Mm. and um that's cool so every day almost we're going and doing things and seeing the cities and 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 traveling we were in London we're going to Italy in a couple weeks um and there's just a gazillion things to see and do here in Prague and I'm trying to limit my work to only three to four hours um a day. Mm-hmm. And uh we take a lot of time off to go see things and do things. And um we get to help and volunteer at this church that this English speaking church that's here in Prague, which we really enjoy as well. And um so that is kind of what I'm doing and and um, this blog, I'm gonna be updating it regularly with my progress and what's going on and Um, it's not going, the blog is not going to end when I get back to St. Louis, I'm going to still continue, um, doing marketing and trying to do deals in this new market, even after I get back to the States. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's going to be something I'm going to be continually updating and, um, sharing a lot of really good, valuable, free content uh, with this blog.
0: Well, Joe, that's exciting. You don't hear that story every day. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, <laughs> congratulations for you I mean picking up a family you got what five kids?
2: Four, kids four kids yeah we're collecting
0: them you're collecting them got it four kids yeah. and a wife said so let's go do it and <laughs> very inspiring awesome and if, if they want to follow along the name of your website is again
2: remotepropertyflipping.com
0: remotepropertyflipping.com
2: got it and the reason why I called it that is because I I really like the term virtual wholesaling, but that that term doesn't really resonate with European audiences. And I wanted to create a blog that even Europeans, specifically people in England um, and, and people here and even the Czech Republic, can look at this stuff and think, you know what, I could do this here in my own country, even though the laws and real estate are completely different, they're not handled the same. I think any any place in the world where you can get a property under contract to buy it, you can sell that contract to somebody else right i think the fundamental principles are the same of marketing of of negotiating sales and things like that they they're, they work in any country but the cool thing is a european could could take this and start implementing it even in their own country or if they wanted to matt they could start flipping properties in the us um and that's what uh, that's what I think is, is really exciting. Um, somebody who really gets a hold of this and is, can, can take bold, decisive, massive action, even somebody in England could flip, start flipping properties just like I'm doing in the U.S. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, so it, if I can do it, and with all the mistakes I've made and, and, and uh, the, the struggles that I have, um, I really think...
0: Almost anybody can do it. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's awesome. Well, Joe, go for th- it. Absolutely. Just go for it. Life is so short anyway. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. That, you know, I just had my, my first son and just the idea of, I think, I, I think when I was growing up, I had met some kids here and there, maybe one in elementary school, one in middle school, one in high school, that, that they'd been to so many different places with their family. And they yeah. just, there was just something so unique and cool about them. You know, they just had a different mm-hmm. posture, a different attitude, a different lookout on, uh, on life. And, you know, I think that's one of the greatest gifts that you're you're, you're actually giving to your kids right now is just that exposure to worldwide culture and different areas. That's awesome.
2: There is, um, there's a great blog and I haven't read it in a few weeks, uh, but it's called discover, share, com. Mm -hmm. discover share inspire and uh, it's about this family of four or five kids i don't know what it is Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, who are traveling from alaska down to argentina or chile whatever the most southern country is and they are in south america and they're driving the whole way in a truck and camping the whole way driving their diesel truck with vegetable oil and um they're they're blogging about it on their whole way down, and um, it's an amazing uh, blog. And um, if anybody is interested in that sort of thing, they definitely have more experience in traveling, but with, with kids than we have. But the cool thing is, um, there's there's hundreds or maybe even thousands of people out there that are doing something similar to what I'm doing, and they're blogging about it. And you mm-hmm. can go find them and read their, read about their journey. Um there's a great podcast I also listen to called the um well the lifestyle business podcast
1: mm-hmm. and
2: it's based on a similar concept these guys have a business um in the US but their staff is spread around the entire world right
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they can live anywhere they want and um they have with the power of outsourcing and the internet you can literally have a business that you can run from anywhere in the world. So there's no more, there's no limits. You don't have to be tied to an office. You don't have to answer to us. Um, you don't have to, you know, we were in Colorado um, back in July. And yeah. we um, we decided to go for, I think, a week or a week and a half to hang out with some friends. And then we just decided at the last minute, you know what, Let's let's go to Estes Park and stay for another week. And that's when it really hit me when I thought, you know what? How nice, how cool is it? I don't have to ask for a vacation. I can still do my job from the middle of the Rockies in Colorado. Um, my job, I mean my work. I can still do my business. I can still operate my business from Colorado. I don't have to ask for an employer for any time off. I don't have to worry about uh, trading my sick days for vacation days or or working. I remember those being so stressed out every year when I'd get my generous two weeks of vacation, <laughs> think planning my year out. Well, okay. I'm going to use depending on when the 25th falls. Right. Um, so I'm going to use one or two vacation days here. And we're going to use one or two vacation days here. And, um, are we going to go to my parents or my wife's parents or, um, so we can, we can do the, anything we want now. And, and, um, uh, I think this is uh, it's an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to be in business.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, awesome, Joe. I think this is officially my longest pos- podcast ever. So congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of it with me. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. Well, you, can,
2: you can split it up into two podcasts if you like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going uh, to keep this together. This, this is great. Um, I'm going to let you go. I got your... Uh, your buddy. I'm interviewing your partner here in the next ten minutes.
2: So, yes, that'll uh,
0: be awesome. I'll, I'll get, I'm excited to talk to Alex as well, and uh, I'll definitely split those two up, though.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, will say say hi to Alex for me.
0: Will too. Well, again, and that's uh, remotepropertyflipping.com where they can follow you along.
2: Yeah, yeah. And my other um, my other podcast. Well, you probably already talked about it in the intro. Sure. Um, but uh, my other podcast is real estate uh, realestateinvestingmastery.com. And, um, we just interview people and, uh, it's a, it's a good podcast. Um, there, there's some really good real estate investing related podcasts out there. And I'm just proud to be, I think one of them, um, you know, you've got a great podcast. Uh, Sean Terry does. Um, there's some new guys coming up they have some great podcasts. Um, there, I, I, I'm not worried at all about competition. And I'm saying that with air quotes. Because um, there is uh, plenty of deals out there, and and I love having the variety of perspectives. Um, and there there's a big need um, for good quality real estate education out there. And I think podcasting is a great avenue to share the those kinds of resources. You know, um, I, I we have listeners from Afghanistan, from from Korea, I think South Korea. Probably. Right. Um, it's amazing when you look into, have you ever looked into your stats to see where your listeners are coming from Matt?
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing
2: <laughs> all over the world. You know it's absolutely you know astonishing. Absolute. Um, so anyway, thanks for having me, Matt.
0: You bet. Um, and, uh, definitely I want to want to do this again. Okay. So you open to that in the future?
2: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Maybe uh, when you get back to the States, you can share more about your story and how many deals you did from Italy.
2: From Prague. Okay, all right. Well,
0: you're going to Italy, though, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll be there for probably three or four days.
0: Perfect. Well, have a blast, dude, and uh, we'll chat soon.
2: Okay, take care. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Bye, John. Bye-bye. So,
0: until next time, as a very wise person once said, may you live all the days of your life. To your success, I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Now, I've experienced my share of real estate gurus and uh, tried to uh, learn from a lot of different people. I've spent countless dollars on real estate boot camps. I have a library full of real estate books. But no one has ever put me into action quite like Matt and his academy. I'm actually doing real estate deals and making money thanks to you, Matt. Your academy is the real thing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the help and effort that you put into helping others. Thanks, and keep it up.
1: Thank you for spending this time with Matt Terrio and the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. When you have a moment, stop by iTunes to leave your comments and let us know what you think of the show. And if you haven't done so already, get started investing today by visiting freerealestateinvestingcourse.com to access Matt's free course, How to Do Deals, No Money Required. Until next time to your success to
0: your success to your success